1: I am joined, as I always am, with my trusted co-host, Larry Dersham, an estate planning and constitutional lawyer, and a great sounding board for some of the exciting issues that we talk about each week. But first, the headlines of the evening are still the raging fires. We have just lived through a week, visually at least on the West Coast, of looking outside and thinking we are on Mars. And that has reflected the air quality level. And it is absolutely amazing that we look outside every day and see joggers and bikers and hikers. It is very important to install one of those apps, whether you like a weather bug or whether you have the iPhone, which actually tells you the air quality, whatever city you're in or whatever city you would like to go for a hike. And it gives you what to look at in order to determine whether or not that's the best idea. Now, I know what you're thinking. First, they tell us we can't be inside. We have to be outside because of COVID concerns. Now they tell us we have to be inside, not outside because of the air quality. First, we have rolling blackouts and we have to open our windows because their air conditioning is off. Now they're telling us we have to keep our basically our windows shut because the air quality is so bad. Well, thank God we didn't at least suffer rolling blackouts and low air quality at the same time. So I suppose that is the Silver lining, because we're all about the silver lining here at Live on Dr. Wendy. But let me also give you another silver lining. Our governor happened, and this is just a coincidence, to, in a stroke of luck, open the doors of many of the restaurants allowing for indoor dining just in time. Because you remember what was happening? We were sitting out on the patio where fire fallout was turning our orders of scrambled eggs into ash browns. We were sitting there eating with ash falling into our food. It was no fun. And just in time, the governor has allowed some of us to go back inside and actually enjoy our meal in the restaurants. So one of the things we've also been thinking about this week as we've been following the fires is how in the world do these things start? Now, I understand that there will always be things like acts of nature and and downed power lines because a tree falls. But part of what we're also learning is some of these have been intentional. Now, regardless of how they start, one of the things that we wanna make sure that is on our punch list for next year is a battery operated indoor fan. Now, what is the beauty of having a battery operated indoor fan? Well, if you have rolling blackouts due to the heat, that thing will still run. And if at the same time as we did last week, you also have raging wildfires that make your sky look like something from an end of the world disaster film and you can't open the windows because of the low air quality, you can still enjoy that battery operated fan. So I hate to almost say that because they're probably gonna fly off the shelves, but probably something everybody thought about to begin with anyway. So back to how do these fires start? Well, one of the fires that have caused the most damage, uh, that would be the Eldorado fire that everybody's talking about. And that was actually caused by what's been described as a pyrotechnic device. Now, already, I mean, just the sound of that, you're thinking, what in the world was that? That sounds like a fire-starting advice. Well, actually, it's not very uncommon. It was used during a gender reveal party. And the other half of you are saying, okay, now what's that? This is simply an Instagram-friendly event. Um, It's held often during a pregnancy where the parents reveal the baby's sex to friends and family. Um, that reveal can sometimes take the form of an explosion of color, hence the word explosion. That's where the emphasis belongs. Blue for a boy, pink for a girl. Uh, the, the poor family in this case, they did not intend to start a forest fire. They just wanted to celebrate something with their friends and family, and you can see them scrambling afterwards, grabbing water bottles, trying to put it out. This is not the way they wanted to remember that gender reveal. But actually, it's not that uncommon. For gender reveal pyrotechnic devices to spark large-scale fires and that is actually what happened in this case there's plenty if if, i'm sure they're feeling horrible but they are in good company this has happened different places all across the nation it might not happen as often as it does now given the press that this particular fire is receiving Uh, but is it always about accidents or is it also about arsonists
2: Right, uh, Wendy. Well, did we mention transmission lines when the winds pick
1: up? Yes, I mentioned the tree okay. falling and the transmission okay. line gets knocked down. Freaky Very events of nature, lightning striking, but sometimes it is all about the arson, isn't it?
2: It it, it is, and sometimes, uh, I mean, it gets really bad when you have the Santa Ana winds, where they they blow from east to west, and it just really picks up and blows that like a like a torch. Those fires. But uh, just uh, for our listeners to know, and they may already pick this up in the news, that there have been several Antifa activists that have been arrested. Now, we do believe as attorneys, you're innocent until proven guilty. So I'm not going to mention any names, although I have some. Uh, But there's active criminal investigations going on uh, right now uh, regarding that. And another interesting thing, I just picked this up today on the Internet. Uh, I think a lot of this has to do with forest management, uh, possibly some of the environmental concerns where they're not allowed to remove dead trees and brush. And I understand in some places, Wendy, the uh, the dead uh, foliage and, and trees and so forth are is 10 feet high. You can't even get through it. And one interesting thing, there was a tweet by a Hollywood uh, gentleman by the name of James Woods. And he said, Hey, Governor Newsom, why does climate change stop abruptly at the Canadian border? And it's literally a map of the United States and Canada. And there may be one or two fires up there and they have tons of forests, but uh, the whole West yeah. is a flame. And that is curious. Why is it the United States and not Canada?
1: yeah no you know those are really good points um and you know it also i I should have said you know you talk about a perfect storm the perfect firestorm i suppose so we had the heat we had the fires and this is all coinciding with going back to school so i want to segue just briefly from gender reveal to lesson reveal we have been hearing a lot about schools that have at least to some extent attempted to and i hate to say it this way but keep a secret As to what the kids are learning, that clearly can't possibly be the intent of the schools. Can it?
2: Well, actually, it can. And uh, this is out of Tennessee. Uh, Officials in Tennessee's Rutherford County School District sent a letter to parents asking them to sign a waiver promising not to eavesdrop during the online lessons that their kids are receiving. I'm going
1: to let you continue with the story, but let me just ask you one question here at the beginning, because you and I have been following the story for weeks eavesdropping on your child. Isn't that called parenting? Don't you supervise what your children are doing? And when you answer that in connection with the story, it would also be interesting to share with our listeners. What are the ages of these kids? Are we talking five-year-olds or 17-year-olds or all of the above, maybe? Basically,
2: as far as I understand, Wendy, all of the above. And uh, there's a, a woman back there in Tennessee. Her name is Lori Cardoza Moore. She's founder of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, And she said, this is so hypocritical what they're doing because they've been data mining our children for years, uh, compliments a common core, uh, the national education standards. And we, it makes one wonder, what are they trying to hide? Well, some people argue that they're teaching our children propaganda. They're trying to socialize our children. And finally, back in Tennessee, the district officials relented. They said, okay, uh, after a fierce public uh, backlash, they said, OK, you can watch the lessons, parents, but you're not allowed to, to record it. I, I don't know. It's just so interesting. And uh,
1: I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll give the counter argument just so our um, listeners have something to put it in perspective. That's the beauty of Larry and I being lawyers, as we can argue both sides of all of this. So the school was um, basically I don't want to say they fought back. They were actually very nice about it. They they tried to explain their position as follows they explained it was not about propaganda, but about privacy. And they shared with the parents that there are many students that are uncomfortable being on camera and they're uncomfortable being seen and and heard and listened to by other parents. They likened it to a parent wanting to sit in the back of the classroom to see what their kids are learning, which they said would be perfectly fine, versus stand at the front of the classroom with a camera filming the other students in the class. So those are the dueling narratives that have characterized this fight at the Tennessee school. And we'll just wrap it with this, you know, as Tennessee relented, given the concerns and given the very, very viable and righteous and understandable concerns being raised by the parents, they actually ended up saying, no, parents, we want you to be involved. Other school districts were watching very closely because I can tell you, I teach college at night, as you know. There are many college students that do not want to be on camera for a variety of reasons. So balancing the equities is going to continue to evolve as we continue virtually, at least for the indefinite future in some jurisdictions. But anyway, that is to be, that is to be revisited because parents have a vested interest in learning what their children are being taught and schools should too. And this case just shows that compromised positions are available so that's the silver lining i'm gonna save uh uh, we'll save the rest for another time but that's the, the silver lining bow i'll tie on this story on this show okay we have plenty for you after the break so stay with us lots to talk about hope you're staying cool and safe and healthy and we will continue in just a minute with more of live with dr wendy
0: news cycle lowlights have no place here you're listening to headline highlights live with dr wendy on the answer san diego it's time for more news you can use the headlines streamline it's time for more live with dr wendy now here's your host dr wendy patrick
1: you are listening to live with dr wendy thank you for hanging with us we are going to move from education to the election that's right from learning to voting we tend to forget because we've been so distracted by the heat and the virus and the fires and the air quality and back to school and back to work and everything else that has characterized 2020 made it quite the unique year thus far that we have an election coming up in november so amidst all of this we have to start thinking about what it's going to look like for us to be able to vote. Now, issue wise, earlier this summer, if you were to ask people what they thought the two issues were going to be, they would have said, Oh, that's easy. Violence and the virus. Well, a lot's happened since then. The plot has thickened. There are a number of important issues to contend with, but one of them that we're going to discuss right now is how do we vote? Thankfully, Larry, I understand we have a special guest tonight to help us understand our options. This, by the way, is someone I am used to socializing with in TV newsrooms before we go on the air. So it is actually a privilege to have him on our own show. Uh, Larry, who do we have?
2: Yes, Wendy, today I'd like to introduce to you and our listening audience Michael Vu, Registrar at the San Diego County Registrar of Voters. Michael's responsible for elections administration of the third largest election jurisdiction in California and the eighth largest election jurisdiction in the entire country. We have a registered voter population of around 1.56 million people right here in San Diego County. And Mr. Vu previously served as executive director of the Board of Elections in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, and elections manager for Salt Lake County, Utah. He has testified before the United States House Administration Committee and the United States Election Assistance Commission, and he currently serves as a member of the Council of State Governments Overseas Voting Initiative Policy Working Group. Welcome to the show, Michael.
3: Larry, thanks so much for having me. Dr. Wendy, thanks for having me as well. It's uh, always great to hear your voice as well as socialize with you outside of (laughs) newsrooms.
2: Uh, Michael, I wanted to ask this question. And I think probably the listening audience is aware of this, but it's true that for this election, it is a all mail in ballot election. Is that correct?
3: I would classify it as is that every single active registered voter will receive a ballot in the mail, but there will be polling place options that are gonna be out there. The reason why I don't necessarily like to call it an all mail ballot election is, is because it almost insinuates that there's not gonna be a polling places out there in our county. There will be, there will be fewer of them, uh, but they will be open a longer period of time. So so there's some trade offs and all of this is in response to the pandemic.
1: Yeah, you know, um, so interesting, Michael. This has got to be a year for you like none other in terms of all of the different things that we are changing. But I have to ask you about one thing I heard that I just find fascinating. Is it true we will have polling places open for four days starting on Halloween?
3: That is correct. Is that we will have, as opposed to uh, having a traditional neighborhood precinct polling place election, Uh, We will, because of the pandemic, we're going to be consolidating them them down to 235, what we're calling super polls locations. And as opposed to having them open for one day, they're going to be open for four days. So starting on October 31st, Halloween, and then they'll be open all the way through till the polls close on Election Day, November 3rd at 8 p.m. Yeah, I now, We
1: are hoping that super polls don't become a breeding ground for super spreaders. And Larry and I were talking earlier about, you know, this would be an option, an idea to come in costume. I'm sure there's no bans on that, but I can only imagine the uh, viral videos that we will begin to see as people show up to vote on Halloween. Um, I know Larry has quite a costume going. Maybe he'll share that with us later. Um, but you talked about the polling places that are going to be open. Um, do you, and, and I know that you know, there's lots of different ways to, to vote, do you anticipate a, a larger group of people feeling comfortable under the circumstances coming to the polling place anyway? I know people are super patriotic and they want to do their civic duty. Sometimes you see them standing in line around the, the building ordering pizza back in the day before we had these social distance <laughs> restrictions. Do you anticipate a smaller amount of people actually venturing out to the polls?
3: I I do. We've started, Dr. Wendy, we've started seeing those numbers go down every single presidential general election. As I canvassed the last four presidential elections that we've conducted, the total number of people going to the polling places has generally been going down to the tune of, since the fourth presidential elections ago, about 30% of what we're anticipating going to this upcoming election. So um, yeah, and part of the reasons why is because San Diegans prefer voting by mail. We're now at 76.5% of our entire electorate, and we're really at 1.86 million registered voters on our voter registration rolls at this point in time, have preferred voting permanently by mail. And so we're really talking about 23.5%. Now, that 23.5% of 1.86 million registered voters is still a big number. That's 457,000 registered voters. that his only opportunity is going to the polling place if we were conducting an election where it was a traditional model and we weren't dealing with the pandemic. But because of the governor's executive order, where every single active registered voter is going to be receiving a out, the fact that we have a pandemic that's out there. And the fact that we're highly encouraging voters to vote that mail ballot as a safer option to vote and to avoid spreading the virus that is out there is I do believe that will resonate with voters. And so fewer of them will go to a polling place. Now, again, regardless, that number for us is still going to be a big number. We still anticipate there are going to be hundreds of thousands of voters going to a polling place for a number of reasons, whether it's because they need and want to vote at a polling place. Uh, two is is because they didn't receive their mail ballot three is because they made an error on their mail ballot and so they need a replacement ballot to to vote um we've got voters with disabilities that are out there and then you've also got now the the new law relatively new law where if a person does not register on time they can still register and vote same day across those four days by getting to their assigned super poll locations and uh, let me just say, Dr. Wendy, Larry, is, is that, yeah, our world has been upended in so many different ways. Well, for us as election officials, where we're 52 days away from the election. We're a week away from sending nearly 13,000 military and overseas voters their ballot. Uh, we're 23 days away from sending and uh, dropping 1.86 million mail ballots into the U.S. postal streams. Yeah, our office has been upended in terms of conducting this election. You do not turn the model of an election on its head like we're doing, something that we're doing generally takes four to six years, maybe even eight to 10 years to do because you just don't pivot like that. Here, we're doing it in a four to six month period. And we would not be doing this if it was not for the pandemic itself and the concerns around how to fundamentally conduct the election and do it successfully.
2: So, Michael, uh, there's some people that don't feel comfortable dropping their mail-in ballots into the U.S. postal system Will they be able to go to some of these polling places and drop off their mail-in ballot right there in a secure uh, pouch or, or cabinet or even go to the Registrar of Voter's Office there in Kearney Mesa and drop off their mail-in ballot if they don't want to mail it in?
3: Well, let me, uh, let me Larry, that's, that's a great question. And let me just kind of give you all the various options for those that are listening in. And, uh, and those that are listening in, please do communicate this to all your friends. Family members, as well as neighbors, and any other organizations that you belong to, um, as well. But let me just say that first and foremost is, is that are there any concerns of, from my perspective of our U.S. Postal Service to being able to meet the capacity, both the outbound as well as the inbound of the uh, mail ballots that are going to go out there? The answer, and the answer is simply no. I have full confidence of our local representatives, which we've had decades worth of close relationship and communications. We talk weekly, if not daily on how things are going and as we're posturing ourselves to print and mail all these mail ballots that are going out there. And not just the mail ballots, but the sample ballot and voter information pamphlets as well that it's going out there. Uh, Remember, these ballots are going to be prepaid postage envelope. A voter does not need to put a postage on there. Secondly to all of that, voters now can take ownership into their own hands by tracking their respective mail ballots as it's getting to them or as after they voted, getting it back to our respective office by going to our website. And there's a new service called Where's My Ballot? And you can subscribe and get push notifications as the mail ballot's getting to you or as it's getting back to us after you voted that mail ballot. But also... Let's just say that if you don't want to vote that, US, uh, that mail ballot and deposit it through the U.S. Postal Service, know that we're doubling the total number of staff mail ballot drop-off locations throughout the entire county to the tune of 126. In March's election, we had 62, and we're quadrupling the amount of time that these locations are going to be open. They're going to be open for a 29-day period. So effectively, when we drop five staff locations that a person can drop off their mail ballot, and then the the last location is a a drop-off box that will be open 24-7. Now, if they don't want to do that, separate from that is there's going to be those 235 super polling locations, much larger sites for a person, for a voter to drop off their mail ballot starting on October 31st through November 3rd at 8 p.m. This is great
1: information, Michael, and in that you. This is exactly what our listeners needed. Um, real quick shout out. We're almost out of time, but w- website where people can find out more information about all of this.
3: There's a ton of information, but if you wanted a trusted source, that's sdvote.com. and there's a, a many information about not just the drop off locations, but really a lot of factual information. As there's the awesome. Thank discussion. you, Michael. So, thank you so much, so much. and thanks thank so you all for thank joining you, Michael. us.
1: Have a Have a wonderful, safe weekend, and please join us next week for more Live with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. You are listening to Live with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with a Silver Lining. Have a great week. God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.